Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Uh, We've been talking in this series, we are that church, that Jesus is building a church. And the church that he is building, the gates of hell cannot stand against it. And we've said, we want to be that church. We want to be that church that Jesus is building that that, um, doesn't just stand still, but actually um, goes goes on the offensive and... um, spreads his goodness and his love and his grace in our community. And last week we talked about being that church that worships. And uh, all week we've been praying, God, would you make us that church that worships? Because worship brings the presence of God. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so, Lord, we want to we want to be that church that, that worships. And, and today we're going to uh, talk about another uh, characteristic of that church that we are becoming. If you have a Bible... Uh, Open up to Matthew chapter 22. We're going to be there for a little bit, and then we're going to be in Luke chapter 14 for a little bit. Kind of set it up and then give you kind of the the meat of what I want to look at this morning. So if you don't have a Bible, don't sweat it. Scriptures will be on the screen behind me. If you have a phone, you can also follow along with the directions on the back of your program uh, with the Uversion app, except instead of live, it has suddenly changed to events. So click events. All right, Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 and following. No context, not going to give you any context uh, uh, initially, just kind of read and see what happens. Uh, Verse 34, hearing that Jesus silenced the Sadducees. Now, for those of you who are not like Bible scholars, you may be uh, thrown off by like, who are these people, the Sadducees, Pharisees, what's different about them? Well, here's a little trick that I learned that sounds really childish, and and you won't believe that a... That a grad, like a, a seminary trained uh, pastor, still uses this to remember who the Sadducees are. But this is how I remember it, right? The Sadducees did; they were Jewish leaders, Jewish uh, religious scholars, right? Um, and they did not believe in the resurrection. Pharisees believed the resurrection was possible. Sadducees did not, so that made them sad. You see. <laughs> It works, man. It works. It's worked for years. That's how you remember who the Sadducees are. They don't believe in the resurrection. So hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus, we want you to prioritize and simplify all of the Old Testament. All 600 plus commands and laws that we find. Jesus, simplify it, prioritize it. What do you think is the greatest? Now, here's the kind of behind the curtain. They all had an answer to this question. All of the leaders, depending on which rabbi they followed or which kind of um, religious sect that they were a part of, they all had an answer to this question. So basically they're saying, Jesus, we want to see how you answer this. Do you agree with us or do you think it's something different? So Jesus says, verse 37, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So this morning, what I want to talk about for just a few minutes, I want to talk about love. I want to talk about love. Um, and if we're going to talk about love, I've got to talk about somebody very important to me that I love, which is my wife. Now, you may be like, well, why aren't you talking about your kids? Because I love my wife more than my kids. Okay? She's prettier than they are. And I, I like it when she's in the bed with me. I don't like it when they're in the bed with me. You know what I'm saying, parents? 
Their head gets right in my back, and I don't sleep. So anyway, uh, I'm talking about my. I want to talk about my wife this morning because uh, the reality is that's the greatest love that I know, besides the love that I feel uh, for Jesus and that I've experienced from Him. Because we are, you know, the Bible says that we are one, and so I'm not one with my kids. That would be weird and illegal. And um, seriously, um, check up on the, the legality of that. All right. Anyway, <laughs> have you ever been in love? Right, fellas, you better raise your hand if you're married. You better raise your hand. Have you ever been in love? Love is awesome, right? Love is love is cool. Love, this is what I want us to see this morning. Love makes you do crazy things. <laughs> love makes you do crazy things. I remember, you've heard me tell this story. First time that Hope and I met uh, was, was at her church where her dad uh, was, was the pastor of the church. It was a Wednesday night. I was on a ministry team and we were doing a, a special service there for the for the youth group and the children's ministry and I, and I saw her and she had this leather jacket on and I thought that was really cool and I wanted to know her. Uh, we, we invited her to come to Shoney's with us which was probably a mistake but anyway she did not go. She stood us up and so um, the first time I asked my wife out she said no. Uh, that's cool. I wasn't allowed to go out with her at the time, but we were just supposed to be in a group context. So two months later, we had not talked, we had not talked, we had not exchanged any kind of information, didn't really know her beyond that one meeting. Uh, I'm, I'm hanging out with a friend of mine, uh, a pastor on our team, and I'm like, hey, I, you remember that girl that, um, that you introduced me to like two months ago? She said, yeah. I said, well, I don't know why, but I just feel like I should I should call her up, you know, and, and like ask her out. I don't I don't really know. I guess God was speaking to me. Evidently so. It's cool. Um, but our first date, like some of us, like some of you, you had really elaborate first dates. My first date with my wife, she was a youth leader in, in, in her church, and we went to the youth group Christmas party uh, at her church. I showed up. I drove 90 minutes. Because, because uh, their, their church was a good hour, hour and a half away, depending on traffic. Drove, drove over an hour to show up to a, I was in college, to show up to a youth group Christmas party because I was really interested in this girl. Because love makes you do crazy things. Now, I'm not saying I loved her then. Maybe I did. I don't know how God really works all that out. But afterwards, we went to Barnes & Noble, got coffee. I didn't even like coffee. And read children's books, and I didn't even like kids at that point, okay? <laughs> Because love makes you do crazy things. And I asked her out again, and she said no again. But that was cool when we talked. And, and eventually she said yes, because I wore her, her resistance down. And uh, our second date, we went to Applebee's, because we rolled like that. And, and, uh, and, and, and we, we talked, and it was so cool, man. And, and, and I found myself, you know, months go by, and I'm, I'm thinking about her. We lived, we lived a good hour apart, so we couldn't see each other that often. Facebook wasn't around so I couldn't stalk her that way. Um, MySpace had not been invented yet, all that stuff. Uh, all we had was email, and, and we didn't even text yet. Like I didn't have a phone to text. And so we just emailed back and forth, and we got together maybe maybe once every two, three weeks. I would actually see her, but, but I, I found myself like wanting to be around her because love makes you do crazy things. I would rearrange my schedule. Like, if, if I found out that there was a chance that I could, could see her, like, on a Friday night in a group context, I would rearrange my schedule and convince my friends to rearrange theirs so that I could be where she was. I would, uh, I would hang out with her family, which I learned later they're really cool people, but that's intimidating when you don't really know them, right? I would, listen, I was a college kid, and, you know, college, you got, you got... 
your school in the week, and then you got your weekend, right? And uh, and on Sunday, uh, she would be at church all day, so I would clear my schedule, and I would drive 90 minutes to be in church. I would get up super early so that I could be in church with her. Then I would, they didn't go home, right? Because they lived good ways away from the church too. And so I would take naps on church pews just so I could be with her in, in her presence because love makes you do crazy things. Fast forward a couple years and I'm starting to think, I, mean, I think like this is it. Like, I, I, we've already said, you know, I love you, I love you, right? And, uh, and I did love her, and, and love started making me do crazy things, like started making me save money because there was something I needed to purchase that had more zeros in it than anything I had ever purchased before. <laughs> love makes you do crazy things. I started, I started thinking about that instead of PlayStation video games. Right? I was no longer interested in buying the, the, the new uh, 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 the, the, the new football game, uh, you know, whatever it was that I can't even remember what we played here. Madden. Yeah, Madden. I wasn't interested in buying the new Madden because I was saving money because I had something more important to buy. Because um, love makes you do crazy things. And I remember that I remember the night uh, that, that, that I asked her to marry me. I was, you know, I thought, I'm not going to get choked up, but, but I started getting choked up, and I'm starting to get nervous, and there's all kinds of things happen, and, um, and, and we went back to that same Applebee's, right, because I saved a lot of money, I didn't have any, we weren't going anywhere else, all my money was in there, in my pocket, right, in a pocket, in a box, and I had nothing, so we went to Applebee's, uh, because I wanted to recreate, like, our, our first real date, and we went to this park in Athens, Tennessee, it was like a little small city park, and uh, there, this is going to sound really gross, right, but um, there was this there was this raised uh, kind of like sewer grate manhole thing. Like it wasn't gross. It looked like this like table. But um, that's where we had our first conversation of like, where's this relationship going? And, uh, and I wanted to go back to that spot because love makes you do crazy things. And I remember I got down on, on one knee, right? Because love makes you, makes you do crazy things. And I'm like, will you marry me? And, and, and I'm thinking, dear God, please help her say yes, because I've already asked her parents. They've said yes. Like that, I had to do that. Seriously. I, had to, I took her mom and dad out to lunch, just the three of us. There was no girlfriend buffer there anymore. And I had to ask, can I marry your daughter? Because love makes you, makes you crazy things and um, and I'm, I'm kneeling there in front of her I'm like will you will you marry me and she said yes obviously the first time that was really cool right and um, and I, I discovered that that wasn't the end of the story that that's just the beginning of the story because love makes you do crazy things and now I find myself doing dishes <laughs> and laundry and I fold clothes do you understand how much I hate folding clothes, but love makes you do crazy things. And we have a dog. Love makes you do crazy things. Why am I telling you all this? Because I want you to understand that that love love makes you do crazy things. It's, It's not like, you know, some of us have you ever met the guy who says I love you way too early in the relationship? Like, like you know, he he he'll he'll like text you uh, at eleven o'clock at night and be like, "Hey, girl, I love you. You want to come over, watch Netflix, and chill?" Listen, that's not love. <laughs> I'm just being real, y'all. It's not love. Why is it not love? Because those are empty words. Love has not made him do anything crazy. Because love makes you do crazy things. 
In light of Jesus' command, what he said was the greatest commandment, love God and love your neighbor. And we know that love makes you do crazy things. I think the question we've got to wrestle with this morning in the brief time that we have is what does love require of us? Uh, We talked last week about loving God. This week we're going to talk about loving our neighbor. The next verse, in verse 40, Jesus will say, all the law and all the prophets, they hang on these two commandments. All 613 laws, all the teachings, all the, all the wisdom instructions, all of the stories, every word hangs right here, which means every time we make a choice, we've got to filter it through this lens. What does love require of me? When we're thinking about how we're going to parent or who we're going to date or if we're going to enter into this business transaction, every decision gets filtered through what does love look like here? When we talk to our neighbors, when we talk to our co-workers, if if what Jesus has said is true, then, then this is the filter that we use every day when we're at work and that person who has the really bad breath and they're a close talker gets up in your face. What does love look like here or, or when you're hanging out with your family and you've got that weird aunt with the bad hair who can't stop talking and tells story after story after story what does love look like that neighbor that you have that borrows stuff and never returns it or breaks it what does love require of me here and 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 if that's true then if 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 we really are like that everything hangs on love god love our neighbor then that has huge implications for church And if we're going to be that church, then we have to answer that question. What does love require of me? Because love makes you do crazy things. So Jesus is talking about this in another parable in Luke chapter 14. And the context here is that Jesus is invited to this very prominent Pharisee's house. And he knows he's being watched. And so he tells this parable at first where he says, listen, we are to give the very best energy that we have to the broken, to the hurting, to the discouraged, to those who are farthest away from God. We give our best to them. And then he goes into another parable. Verse 16 of Luke chapter 14. Jesus says, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. I love how Jesus uh, describes uh, the the, the move of God, the the, the kingdom of God, the church uh, that that Jesus is building. He says it's a great banquet. In other words, Jesus starts this story and he says, Hey, this guy was about to throw an awesome party. Not a little party, not just a few people, because he was inviting everybody that he could find to this awesome party. You ever notice that some people, uh, some people feel like church is more like a funeral than a feast? You ever notice that? Like some people have this perception of that, that, that church ought to be this kind of quiet, reverent, subdued thing. And there are moments when that happens. But when Jesus is talking about what God is doing in the world, he says, he says this man was preparing a great banquet, something to be excited about, something to be pumped about, something that, that you want to want to go out and invite people to. Verse 17, at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, hey, hey, come, for everything is ready. We've got everything prepared. And when we look at this verse, you know who we are in this? We're not the person throwing the party because the party's not ours. We're the servant. That's who we are. We're the servant who goes out and tells people, hey, hey, there's a party going on, and you're invited. And you don't have to show up with a bag of chips or a drink. 
because everything's already taken care of. And so, so um, the, the, the message, the, the invitation is so simple that, that sometimes it feels like there's this tension, right? Like, I should probably have to say more. <laughs> like, have you, ever, have you ever felt like you tried to invite somebody to church and then after the, after the fact you thought, oh, man, I think I said too much. <laughs> Anybody? Like, oh, I, think I, oh, I think I ruined it. <laughs> I think, you know, I tried to pick it and then I bruised it. But, uh, you know... <laughs> said too much. How many of you, this is probably more of us, right? Like, you know, you're like, I should probably invite this person to church, but I'm so scared that I'm going to say the wrong thing that I end up saying nothing. How many of you, that's me, right? Like, come on, you can be honest. Sometimes, sometimes the, the, the fear of saying the wrong thing leads us to saying nothing and the invitation doesn't go out. And so here's the man trying to throw a great party. Nobody's showing up. And I think sometimes it's because we haven't, we haven't announced that, hey, now's the time to, to come on. But look, this is what happens in that story. Verse 18, but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Now, that's a lie. <laughs> because you don't buy a field that you've never gone and seen. Right? Like who, who like buys a house and they've never actually toured the house? No, we know that that's probably just an excuse. Verse 19. Another person said, I just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Really? You bought five oxen and you didn't try them out? Like, come on, dude. Really? It's just an excuse. That's another, that's another lie. Like, who does that? Verse 20. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. He's probably telling the truth. <laughs> like, that's okay. I I got it, man. But see, here, here's, what, here's what we need to see. When we offer an invitation, even though the party's great, some people will reject it. And if you're not ready to be told no, you'll never be told yes. That's what we have to wrestle with. That's the tension that we have to walk into. If we're not ready to be told no, we'll never hear anybody say yes well, Pastor Josh, that sounds, that sounds crazy. That's so intimidating. That's so scary. You're right. Love makes you do crazy things. And if there's a person living on your street, if the person living on your street doesn't stand a better chance of hearing about Jesus because they live on your street and not another street, there's a problem there. If the person working down the cubicle from you doesn't stand a better chance of knowing Jesus because they work close to you, problem. If the, if the person that you serve on a ship with or a person you serve on a boat with or a person that you serve in an office with, if they don't stand a better chance of hearing about Jesus because they're close to you, that's something we've got to talk about. Because there's a great party to be thrown. And the, and the thrower wants people to come. That's what we see. Look at this, verse 21. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Uh, real quick, he got angry and expanded the invitation. You know, a lot of times when we get angry when people tell us no, we're like, well, bump them. Who cares about them, right? Like, pfft. 
blow off, dude. But when God gets angry, he expands the invitation to more people. Isn't that cool? And it's not. It's people that we wouldn't think about. Here's the catch. Here's the catch, okay? We're going to see that these people actually respond to the invitation. Do you want to know why? Because they were poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the people who are most likely to respond to the invitation to come to church are the people who are going through hell because they need something. That's what I've discovered as a pastor. When you get a chance to talk to people who have just recently come to Jesus, here's what the story goes 99 times out of 100. Okay? You know what? I thought my life was pretty good. It wasn't great, but I was going along, and then it was like a boulder dropped on my life. And I didn't know what to do or who to turn to. And so somebody invited me to church, and I came and I found hope in my situation. Like, that's most people's Christian story. That I didn't know what was going on. My mind was going crazy. I was broken and lost and helpless. I was blind and lame. And somebody invited me, and I found life. Because whoever finds Jesus finds life. A lot of times the people we give these invitations to, they're not there yet. But we still invite them. Even though... They're not there. So the servant, the servant says, uh, what you've ordered has been done, but there is still room. I love that imagery because we still got room. Because we still need to open the balcony every Sunday. So there's still room here. So the invitation still needs to go out, right? Verse 23, the master told his servant, go to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in. And then check this out. So that my house will be full. I I never actually really saw that until this week. God wants us to compel them to do everything short of kidnapping them, tying their feet together and throwing them in the trunk and making them come with me, right? Do everything short of that to get them here because God wants his house to be full. Well, I don't think we have to have a big church. Well, God wants his house to be full. I don't know that I don't know if growing is actually what God wants. Well, God wants his house full. That's what he said. Like I'm just telling you what he said. He wants his house growing and bursting at the seams. He wants us to open the balcony because he wants his house full. Why does he want it full? Because he loves people and love makes you do crazy things. So will we be that church? Will we be that church that goes out compelling, inviting, bringing. You know there's a difference between inviting somebody and informing somebody? Informing is like, hey, won't you drop by my house sometime? Inviting, compelling is, hey, why don't you come to my house this Thursday at 6 o'clock? I'm throwing tuna steaks on the grill and they'll be ready when you show up. Like that's the difference. Some of us inform people about church rather than inviting and bringing them to church. And informing gets a response like, Oh, that's cool. Maybe I'll check it out. No, no, you don't need to check it out. You need to come with me on August the 7th. We're starting this new series. It's really cool. It's called At the Movies. You're going to love it. It's like, it's church, but it's movies. And if you don't like it, I'll pay for your lunch afterwards, right? Jesus says, compel them to come in because God wants his house full. Here's the really crazy part. We're trying to do that in the summer (laughs) when people have vacations planned. When people want to go to the beach in the 100 degree heat, like nobody does that. Summer equals the death of church attendance in most circles. 
But God wants his house full. <laughs> and God, God wants his house full, whether it's summer, winter, fall, spring. He doesn't care. This has actually been the strongest summer we've ever had at Vertical Church. Like, like you, don't, you may not see it because our attendance looks like it's the same every week. But when that's the summertime, dude, just get ready. Because when we hit fall and people go back to school and they regulate their church attendance, we are going to be blown away by what God does. We're going to have to open the balcony because God wants his house full because love makes you do crazy things. So who, who do you need to love? Who is it in, in, in your circle, right? Like in your world, who, who do you need to love? Who do you need to show the love of God to? And, and offer not an informational uh, statement, but offer an invitational request. Who? Who is that for you? And like I said earlier, and we, we, we've talked about it, you, you can bring them next week. Like, that's totally cool. But the, 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 the kind of strategic, we want to come in line with your invitation and give you the best opportunity happens in two weeks. August the 7th. Number one, you need to be here, okay? If you're not here and they show up, they're like, my buddy's not here. Well, shoot. Uh, who am I going to sit with, right? So you need to be here and you need to bring people. Not just, not even just invite, but bring, right? Like, like you can get dirty with it. You can bring people, like, you know, um, with an A, not an I. We've got invite cards for you ready to go. Hey, man, this is my church. It's going to be really cool. I want you to come at the movies. Facebook post. If you liked us on Facebook, you'll see those. If not, just check it out you know, once a day or something. Jump over there and see something and then just like send it to a person. Hey, I want you to come to this with me, man. It's awesome. If they've got kids, let them know that we're going to have live character meet and greets right out in the lobby, man. They can meet like superheroes. They can meet cartoon characters. They're going to, they might even meet like a Starfleet officer out there. Like Captain Kirk might be out there greeting people and like, you know, uh, welcome, welcome to Vertical Church. And this is like, this is all I want you to, want you to hear this morning. If you do this, your work will be exciting. If you do this, that, that ball game that you've got to sit through it will, will, will change and it will be exciting because your lenses that you look at the world through will change and you'll be like, who can I invite? Who can I bring? Who can I offer the invitation to? And you're really looking around and asking that question. That, that, that meeting that you're dreading, you'll actually start anticipating because you'll see that coworker that God has laid on your heart. Who can I love? What does love require of me when love makes you do crazy things? And if we do this together, we'll see lives changed. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord, we, we, we love you. We thank you, God, for, for, for being able to experience and encounter your presence here. We're so grateful and thankful that you have allowed us to do that, quite honestly. Today, God, we want to be that church that goes out and compels, that church that grows, that church that sees the, the balcony open, that church that sees the house filled because that's what you want because you love people. And love makes you do crazy things like sending your only son so that we might have life. That's what you did because of love. So what does love require of us? We love you, Jesus. May it not only be with our words, but let it be with our actions. Place on our hearts and in our minds this week, who can we invite? Who can we bring so they can encounter your love? In Jesus' name. Everybody said?
Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.